Hello, I'm Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Hello, Maddie Sutton. Hi. How are you today? You know, I am doing as well as can be expected, but really excited to be on this podcast today. I am so happy. Now, before we get started with introductions and who you are and how we came to know one another, um, first, share with everyone where you are talking to me from. Um, I am currently at my home in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so this will be not close to where you were in school. No, it's four and a half, four to four and a half hours away. So a little bit of a drive. And Maddie, you are a member of our TAW chapter at the University of Minnesota. Yes, that is correct. I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about your AOPI story. Yes, of course. Um, When I went through recruitment at the University of Minnesota, I always knew that I was going to join, be a member of the Panhellenic Council. My mom was in a sorority at her college and my dad was in a fraternity. So I don't want to say it was kind of an expectation. It was my choice, but I definitely knew they had had great memories and I wanted to do the same. So when I went through recruitment, I truly, leaving the state of South Dakota, didn't know a lot about the different chapters. I was really just following my heart and where I felt I was going to make the best friends and have the best experience. And truthfully, this is not a lie. I can honestly say from day one, I knew I wanted to be an AOPI. I left our chapter house just knowing it was if my real alpha were here, she would attest to the fact that it was the number one on my list every single day. Um, And opening that big card was one of the highlights of freshman year for sure. And it was just such a great experience throughout my time in the chapter. Not only did I actually make the best friends and have some of the best memories, but I lived in the chapter facility for three years, which was such an experience and would highly recommend it to anyone. Um, and I also had the opportunity to serve as both vice president of finance for TA as well as chapter president. So I had great experiences going to Leadership Academy as well as convention. I was so excited it was a convention year when I was president so I could attend. And just looking back, I could not have I could not think of an experience that better prepared me for my future. I feel so many people hear, oh, you're in a sorority, and they think like about friends and the formals, and yes, those are obviously great benefits, but I don't think I could be on the trajectory to my career path that I am today if someone hadn't trusted me at 20 years old to look over a $250,000 budget or handle 150 women and try to keep them all happy, which is honestly sometimes a bigger challenge than you expect, but... (laughs) As my AOPI journey has kind of come to a close, or the collegiate aspect has come to a close, I just could not imagine my college experience without it, and I honestly miss it already so much that I'm going to be, I have the first alumni chapter meeting (laughs) this coming Wednesday, and I'm in contact with our network specialist to be an advisor next year, so 
I'm just, it's for life and that's the honest truth. And I know I've made the right decision from recruitment ever since. So Maddie, you just said so many things that we need to unpack <laughs> in this conversation. So the first Sorry, thing, I talked a lot. no, 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 it was wonderful. Um, it, it is what I hope every one of our members experiences as a member of AOPI in her collegiate years. And of course you have many years ahead of you, but you come from a Panhellenic family. Your mom is not an AOPI, I would imagine. She is another organization. So tell me how did she, because I have, I have several goddaughters and two of the four are already AOPIs. There are two more coming, you know, in future Mm -hmm. years. And I, I really do make a bona fide effort of saying pledge where you find yourself because this is your home. These are your people. These will be the women that you spend your time with. Certainly it should not be my choice, but but even though I am not their mother, I still like, oh, you know, I love that I share this bond with them. And yet my dearest friends, you know, have Panhellenic families. I was first generation Greek, so I have also learned to embrace that via them. So I'm very curious to know what your mother thought about this decision. Yeah, um, at first she really, I mean, truthfully, she was happy wherever I was going to be happy. I think part of the bonus was that when there wasn't an AOPI where she went to school, so who knows, maybe she would have joined (laughs) AOPI had she gone somewhere that had it. But also, um, it was a totally different just university. So, I mean, while the values stay the same, there can be different vibes. And also my mom and I are, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but also a little bit different. She's a little bit quieter where I'm a little bit more outspoken and bubbly. And that's just kind of where the girls at AOPI at the University of Minnesota fell on the spectrum. Then it was kind of fine for a couple of years. And then my little brother um, actually went to their same university and he joined my dad's fraternity. And then it kind of came back up that maybe it hurt. <laughs> and she brought out her old pin. It was like, well, I had this for you. <laughs> then it hurt a little bit more. So it was two years after my decision. I was already very invested in my AOPI journey. But she did a great job of supporting me and does want me to be happy. Now, actually, my youngest cousin... Um, not youngest, but one of my younger cousins is going through recruitment this upcoming year at the University of Minnesota. For the first time, I'm getting a little bit of a taste. <laughs> like, oh, I really want her to join AOPI. <laughs> I'm happy to wherever she'll go. It's a great Panhellenic council, but I'm like, Megan, you'd make such a great AOPI. Shout out it's to so Megan. awesome. Well, you know, I just shared a letter to our future members yesterday. You need to forward that to her. Well, I've been working on her myth form. Yes. So. Well, and I tagged a few of my um, potential new members that are going to be um, have the opportunity to pledge ours or others. But of course, I'm a little partial. But I love <laughs> this for your Panhellenic family. Um, my generation in our family is all first generation Greek, but I did have various cousins and different people that have pledged and we all have the same experiences with different colors and flowers and letters and and it's a wonderful thing to share so the other thing that you said that i thought was particularly interesting is that your experience in aopi prepared you for what will become your professional career and i think a lot of times and and you know we as sorority women I think know the value and benefit 
almost intuitively because we are living it and experiencing it. But so many times we don't realize that as a member of a committee or a chairperson of an event or a member of cabinet or leaders council, that that very directly can translate to things on your resume and certainly prepare you for many opportunities in your professional life. So I am curious to know a little bit more about that part of what you shared. Yes. Um, Well, just so everyone knows, I will be going into public accounting. So definitely a finance math brain. Um, And I think especially my role as VP finance, kind of like I mentioned earlier, tied in so perfectly. I mean, I learned, I known about personal finance a little bit. I can manage my own credit cards, but having to deal with talking to people about what dues are and explaining it in terms that everyone who's maybe not familiar with financial concepts understands, talking with people that are sometimes like just confused, like parents that are, their daughter hasn't conversed with them about what expectations are. Following up with people, honestly, you don't always have the easiest conversations if people are past due or their bills are outstanding. I mean, those aren't easy conversations to have, but I know in the workforce, you're not always going to have easy conversations. You have to know how to address topics without offending other people, but also getting your points across, which I think is so important and There's no better way to do it than when you're conversing with people that you absolutely love and want to continue a strong relationship with. I think it's really helps me in terms of negotiation or just conversations that with people of varying opinions, which I think has been so helpful. Um, And also being president has definitely taught me so much about people management. I think everyone, I mean, I was in business school, so we learned about management and types of conflict management. And you think, oh yeah, that's easy. Once I get there, I'll be able to do it. And then to be thrown into a group of opinionated, strong, independent women (laughs) that really have a lot of ideas and good ideas, but trying to figure out what's the best direction for everyone. And again, I think it all comes back to maybe in the workforce, you don't, you're not best friends with every single individual you work with versus in AOPI, you want the best experience and you want them to leave every single thing being happy. And so I think that really teaches you to think more critically beyond just the bottom line or yes, we could achieve this by doing X, Y, Z, but maybe not everyone would enjoy it as much. And I think It really taught me to be a leader who values others' opinions and the experiences of others, which I think, honestly, will just benefit me long-term and anyone that I work with in the future. At least, I hope so. Sure. I I particularly agree with you, and I find that my collegiate chapter experience taught me as much as any other experience I've had. So I agree with that 100%. I wonder, and I don't intend to put you on the spot, but if there is one piece of advice or just something that you would share with our chapter presidents, what what would it be? I would say to ask, to seek resources that aren't just going to agree with everything you say. I know once you have kind of like your best friends, like maybe your VPA is your go-to gal, and she's like, yes, Maddie, everything you do is perfect. (laughs) But maybe there's your VPC or your VP standards really thinks that there are some different approaches to things. I think seeking out those individuals who are hopefully respectfully willing to tell you a different direction and hear out your version of what you expect to happen. I think by collaborating with people who, again, kind of see the differences 
will benefit you and come up with the best result because otherwise you get into groupthink and you're like, oh yes, I'm right. And if I consistently <laughs> ask people who also think I'm right, it might not be the best path. My other biggest piece of advice is just to be confident and strong in your decisions. Sometimes you're going to have to make tough choices and honestly, it's hard. Again, every size chapter is different, but in mine, 150 women is hard to please all at once. But if you're confident and strong in your decision, people are going to believe that what you did was correct, even if it maybe wasn't their best option. If you're sitting there faltering and questioning in front of everyone your decision, they're not going to have the same respect and willingness to follow through with what you're asking for. So you may just trust that you made the right decision in good faith. And if you're confident that other people elected you and they're going to believe that you're leading them the right direction. You know, it's fascinating that you say that. Just last night, we had a conference call of the, a Zoom meeting of the international presidents. And there are several who are retiring this year and will not continue with us. And and we had asked them, you know, what would you share for the rest of us? And one of the most poignant pieces of advice that one of the women shared was to believe in who you are and the decisions that you make. Your members put you there. They are cheering for you. Have the confidence in what you choose to do. And I couldn't agree with you more. I often talk about a friend group that I have. And every now and then if I'm working on a particular speech or something that I really want to get just the right vibe for, I will send it on for a little, you know, revision and suggestion. And and these are women that truly know and love you no matter what. But they are also the women who will send me an email back and say, everything but but the second paragraph on page two is stupid. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> and here we go, right? And so... I think that it's really valuable to know that that you should surround yourself with people who will help you be better and strengthen you and support you, but that doesn't always mean that they will agree with you. And that's a pretty strong piece of advice. It's hard. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but I think once you realize, for me, it took me attempting my own version of what I thought would be best and realizing it didn't go well and trying out an alternative approach that really taught me that yes by combining my ideas with other people's or even just trusting the people that were also elected we can go a lot farther and I mean that's kind of the theme of today right now is we're in this together and together we'll come out stronger and I think that's so important for anyone in any leadership position to realize. So let's talk about that. You were at home on spring break I was actually in New Orleans. <laughs> so, oh, you were down by me. Yes, I was. Okay. So you were in New Orleans when your campus decided to close. Yes. And what did you do next, Maddie? <laughs> Honestly, it felt, I hate using the word surreal and just unprecedented because I've thrown around so often, but the exact moment my friends and I were, we were sitting at a restaurant and we were reading through Twitter feeds or some social media platform and the NBA was canceled. And that's kind of when we realized, oh my gosh, this is probably serious. <laughs> I mean, we'd never heard of that. And then from then on, all two of us went to the same university and a couple others went somewhere else. And so we were all kind of receiving all of a sudden notifications that school's gonna be canceled, you're home for two weeks. And at first we're like, nice, we're seniors, two weeks off, <laughs> sounds awesome. I mean, just take a little extra time. So I went 
back to the university, grabbed just a few things um, for the remainder of the time. Our AOPI chapter house was just going to stay closed during the two weeks that the campus was closed, so I didn't grab very much stuff, just came home for a nice extra vacation, maybe catch up on some of the assignments I had pushed off during spring break. And then all of a sudden everything continued and we were they were talking about going to online and graduations being canceled and it just kind of hit me. I mean, everything was going to be different and I just truthfully didn't know what to do. I think at first we were all just kind of like, oh well, <laughs> and then all of a sudden real life kind of sunk in and here we are two months later and no one had expected that by any means. And Maddie, so so tell me what your university did. You all obviously did move to online classes. Yes. What will they do about your graduation? So we had our graduation two weeks ago, or it'll be two weeks ago from this Saturday, and they did a virtual like live stream of a couple important Minneapolis figures, as well as a couple of professors that got on and gave speeches. And then my specific college, the Carlson School of Management, had a student speaker that they put online as well to kind of commemorate everything. They did send us our diploma holders. They sent us our tassels in advance. Um, so that was nice. We could at least dress up for the occasion. And my parents were extra thoughtful and they had, I don't know if you've ever heard of sign gypsies, they're probably called something different everywhere, but they come in overnight and they put up a bunch of signs in your yard and it said, congratulations, Maddie, <laughs> the oh. balloons and the stars. So I never expected my graduation to be on a couch <laughs> with my family <laughs> watching a TV, but honestly, it was so special still regardless and I mean it's still a big feat my diploma's coming in the mail in a couple of days so then it's official so you know the biggest surprise I think about graduation was that I did not know that what they handed you was not your diploma because they were confirming you had paid all of your bills to the school <laughs> and so then they send it in the mail and I did think to myself at one point it is. It has been so tremendously sad for so many, and yet I have been so encouraged by how our women, and, and all young people, to be quite honest, who have had to navigate these milestones differently, have done so. I mean, it has been beautiful to watch the generations come together and to decide that they would not allow it to just not occur. It may be different, it may not look the way you all had intended. And yet, I'm not sure that it won't take on such a special meaning at some point in the future. And I just find that your generation has developed a resilience that not many have had to do at your ages, at least not in recent history. And it has been heartwarming. And I was talking to a young woman recently, and she said, and, and then they sent this holder, and it was empty. And I said, oh, yeah, I got one of those, too. I said, I did walk across the stage for it, but it was equally as empty. And we started laughing <laughs> until we cried. It was hysterical. But yes, and yet, while I am sure, Maddie, that you had moments that were not wonderful, 
you did not sit with them for very long. And in fact, the way that we came to have this conversation is an initiative that you took that has gained quite a bit of attention and caught the eye of a mutual sister and friend who connected us. And it is called Right Side of the Bed, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Talk to us about what it is and how it came to be. Yeah, so the right side of the bed is essentially a bi-weekly e-newsletter that gets mailed out to any of our subscribers um, containing all sorts of recommendations from books, podcasts, music, TV shows. I make a crossword puzzle for each one, um, especially, I mean, (laughs) that way the clues are a little bit more relevant and easier to understand, hopefully, in terms of then like the big New York Times crosswords, um, but also words of inspiration, as well as daily schedules from individuals who are in professional jobs or in graduate schools, as well as kind of an ask it section where I do small interviews with people who are entrepreneurs or have small businesses and how to support those people during this time. Overall, it kind of started as a random idea. I am definitely the kind of person who loves to be busy. <laughs> I just was missing out on kind of the feeling of productivity and doing something at towards the end of my senior year online. I mean, most of my classes didn't have Zoom meetings even. It was just, here's your assignments, get them done. And they were a little bit more lenient probably than they had would have been had we been in class. And so I was just kind of honestly dwelling and not necessarily enjoying life. I mean, I'm not saying anyone is actively enjoying being in isolation, but at first I was just really letting it get to me. I felt so distant from my friends. I felt nothing but loss. I mean, my inbox was full of cancellations, postponements of things that I was looking forward to. But one day I just realized that I was not the only one feeling that way. And I was so sick of only seeing negative things in my inbox. And so I wanted to send something out that other people would hopefully not want to delete or would want to actually read and bring a little bit of brightness into their day, which is basically how I came up with the idea of the right side of the bed. I've always liked to write and I'm a big reader. So it kind of started out as I wanted to recommend books to people, (laughs) truthfully. And then I found during this time I was also binge watching a good amount of Netflix and different TV shows. And there were just so many ways that people were looking for opportunities to fill their time. And I just wanted to fill that void for people. So it kind of worked twofold. I hopefully inspired people to get out and do something or try a new hobby. I've an upcoming edition has like my friend Cameron knows how to do calligraphy. So it's step-by-step instructions to start calligraphy or there's been sewing and different opportunities like that but also it's been a way for me to kind of feel like I'm doing something not only just to keep myself busy but also at this time you just feel so helpless and you want to help other people and you want to make their experience better and take away their pain and suffering that they're all feeling at home alone and I felt by sending this email I might be able to hopefully do a little bit of that. So I think that you have done that for more than a few people. If I understand from our recent edition of Todragma, you now have several hundred subscribers to this. Yes, I'm actually almost up to 500, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, I first when I started doing this, I thought it'd be my friends that felt obligated <laughs> to subscribe <laughs> and my parents. 
But people have apparently been enjoying it and hopefully finding some sort of inspiration. Anytime someone tells me they read a book, it literally makes me so happy. Well, and so you have a hashtag for it, hashtag right side random act. Talk to us a little bit about that. So in every single edition, I mean, well, being truthful, like I said, the whole point of this newsletters to hopefully spread some positivity and in my opinion there's no better way to spread positivity than by doing things for others or hopefully sending that I mean passing it forward once you're feeling a little bit better trying to make other people feel that way and so each edition I come up with a random random act (laughs) um, called right side random acts just to fit in with the name to inspire someone to do something during the week or that day that I send out the newsletter. So it can be some, sometimes it's something small, like baking for a dessert for your family or your roommates that you're quarantined with, or it's been write an inspirational chalk message on your driveway. Sometimes it's offer to mow the lawn for a neighbor or Venmo, an essential worker, just small things that you know will brighten the days of other people. And actually I'm really excited to share that during the month of May, I've actually teamed up with another small entrepreneur in the Minneapolis area who has a it's called the kind mind movement which is focused on mental health awareness but we created a challenge it's hashtag it's right to be kind challenge for the month of June and every single day there's a different random act of kindness so for each and you're supposed to share a picture of you participating in the challenge for a chance to win a quarantine kind of fun box of the sunshine at the end. But just the overall point is to try to help people, continue helping people and passing it forward. And I hope it brings a smile to someone's face. Well, I think that there's no doubt it will. Tell me, outside of this new June event that you have scheduled that I really love, and I will make sure that um, I have all of the correct links so that people can easily find it when this airs, Tell me what is next for you. So you have graduated and mm-hmm. now, and while you are actually at home now, what do the yes. next steps look like once our world does come back together again? Yes, so I am very fortunate and feel especially grateful during this time of the pandemic to have a job solidified. So I will be working at a public accounting firm up in Minneapolis, and I am so excited to get back. I love South Dakota, (laughs) but I am now a city girl at heart, and I miss being surrounded by my friends, and I cannot wait to get back up there and experience the Minnesota life once again. So I start in September. So have a couple months of studying for the certified public accounting exam for anyone that knows anything about CPAs. That is not quite a requirement, but highly expected of me. So working on getting that done, hopefully before I start, is the next big goal. But other than that, one of my big goals for 2020 is I wanted to read 52 books. And because of the pandemic, I'm currently at 30 and working on my 31st. So that's my next big step for 2020. Okay, well then, so so let's end with that conversation. What is something that you have read that you would recommend? Oh, that is one of the hardest questions. I think if we're going off what I've read this past year... Well, I'll give one that's kind of, not generic, but I know a lot of people have already read it and it was a Pulitzer Prize winner, but All the Light We Cannot See 
by Anthony Doerr. I had not read it before. I was a little afraid of historical fiction, but I absolutely adored it. Could not put it down um, for anyone that's never heard of it. It follows the story of a blind French girl, as well as a young boy who goes into, who's from Germany, who becomes part of Hitler's army and kind of how their stories are entangled and kind of shows just how much love and compassion of humankind can matter even in times of darkness. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone. I think one of my other favorite books of this year was called A Gentleman in Moscow. Um, It is, I cannot think of who wrote it right off the top of my head. He also wrote Rules of Civility though, which is on my TBR pile for this break. Um, But it just follows a man who once had it all and is ends up being in trouble with the law and is confined to a hotel and he has to kind of find i think it's kind of eerily not similar but helpful during this time he has to basically find joy being alone and with the people he has the capacity to interact with and how he makes do with that and it's beautifully written i'm a huge quote person and i just found so many words that i fell in love with so if you're looking for it again, eerily similar, or just want to hear about someone else kind of being quarantined, that is a great book to pick up. Fascinating. Maddie, thank you so much. I want you to know that just by virtue of the travel I did before COVID and that I look forward to doing again, I have the opportunity to meet many women. And our sisters are always so inspiring. And truly, this conversation has inspired me in a whole new way. And I hope it does all of the women that hear it. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. And for all of our listeners, as always, thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe and be well.